picking the the right uh, co-founder is, is uh, the most fundamental thing, the most important thing uh, when you run a startup. You, you, you need someone who understands the same vision, uh, willing to work as hard as you. We did all the things to make things happen. We put our you know, hearts, we put our hearts out. You know, <laughs> if necessary, if you need to prepare a tender, you don't sleep a few days, we did it. From aerial photography, product deliveries, precision agriculture, policing and surveillance to drone racing, Aero Robotics, the future of drones, is here to stay. The drone services market is projected to reach $63 billion by 2025, further boosted by the pandemic, which validated just how important flying robots are and can be. But what about our privacy and what about jobs lost from these developments? Well, in a never-before-like interview, we dive deep into the business of drones with the Malaysian power couple, Kamaro Muhammad and Azita Azizan, who founded Aerodyne Group, set to be the global leading provider of drone-based enterprise solutions with over 30 million ways, presence in over 35 countries and over 350,000 assets inspected. But of course, Aerodyne's success did not happen overnight. Aerodyne was born out of a full-fledged production house that used drones to capture visuals for documentaries, but while profitable, could not unfortunately be scaled. We chat about everything from how a husband and wife team made it work to some of the hard lessons they've had to learn along the way. You don't want to miss this. Welcome to Billion Dollar Moves, the show for the top U.S. and Asia founders, funders, and execs making billion dollar moves that are shaping our future. From the growing pains of a unicorn journey to IPO, the question of impact and returns, to scaling a venture capital firm, we go real deep in the world of venture and business. Before we hop in here, I've got a quick favor to ask you. Smash the follow button wherever you're tuning into this episode. This way, you'll be the first to know about new episodes that drop. And of course, please tell your friends, colleagues, business partners, so we can amplify more stories built on grit in the US and Asia venture intersection, and that we can all keep making billion dollar moves together. Now let's get started. Let's start with how did this come to be? Why this idea? Love us a creative. You know, uh, I mean, coming from creative background, we enjoy uh, making all these documentaries. We were quite uh, profitable and we ran it quite successfully. But over time, it became a bit tiring to have the creative juice to come in and again on every project that we do. So uh, we, we took a pause and we started thinking uh, maybe we should uh, start venture into something different. Uh, and then we started on something else, uh, like we, we created YouTube, right? Before, YouTube, before YouTube existed. You created YouTube. Something similar. I mean, the year was uh, 20, 2002, 2003. It was like two years before YouTube uh, existed. So we came up with that idea, very similar. We were running it in Malaysia. It was successful as well. I mean, but back then, there's no VC, there's no, uh, you, you can't raise funds. So we were using our own fund. Uh, and then the problem was we couldn't monetize it. I mean, we were like getting at that time, you know, two hundred thousand views, uh, live views in the day. I mean, it, it was huge, ne- ne- unheard of before in Malaysia. Uh, but uh, after about two years, we pulled the plug. Yeah. And then two years after that, somebody did the same in the states, <laughs> and it's called YouTube. And now, see where they are. Yeah, I mean, this is interesting though. When you decide yeah. to pull a plug for an entrepreneur to work all this time and you all spend quite a significant time in media as creatives how did you make that decision yeah this is not going to be it we need to move on 
Well, I mean, I mean, it's not the first time. I mean, uh, um, we have one successful venture uh, doing our media business. It was business was growing. We had 40, 50 people at that time, and we get to travel around the world. So we were having a good time, right? But at the same time, as I mentioned just now, we, we wanted to do something more. We wanted to do something that is scalable. Uh, in, in the media, you can't really uh, scale so easily. Right? So uh, we think that media business, we already have a drone division uh, since 2009. So we were the pioneer in drone globally. There were, there's not that many people that were using drone then. We use it for creative purposes, yeah. uh, to put the, the beautiful yeah. stuff inside at the, at the at documentary. So that's how we use uh, the drones for that right. time. Then, then uh, uh, 2014, we started thinking, hey, and we should be doing more than this. Now, then I, I then realized that uh, uh, drones are really IoT devices. Well. Drones would be able to uh, provide greater solutions to the industry. So our thinking at that time is that we can use drones for uh, um, the infrastructure industry. Uh, we hmm. were thinking that we can, we can use drones to help them manage their assets. So typically in the in uh, you know uh, critical infrastructure, let's say power line, their assets are over thousands of kilometers, and they were using helicopters and all that, right? Uh, and, or, or they walk uh, the line and using cranes, so it's a very slow process. It's it's dangerous and it's very costly for them. So I knew in my heart of heart at that time that we can use this drone technology to change the way they do things, and that's how we started. You know, uh, second reason was uh, in construction industry. You know, when you do construction, delays and non-compliance are very costly. You know, uh, at any given time, there are trillions of construction projects around the world. So we came up with this idea, hey, what if we can give good uh, situational awareness, visibility uh, on the construction side, so that uh, decision makers can make decision uh, in near real time? I mean, I, I had a chat with one of uh, uh, the CEO of one of the largest uh, property companies in Malaysia, and he was uh, complaining to me that, Information comes to him two months too late, you know. So, so you say, hey, what if I can give you full visibility of what's happening at your site? And that's how we started. Sounds like you spoke to a couple yeah. of people, got to know the infrastructure, got to know the construction industry. Yeah. What, what then was the next few steps in saying, okay, this is how we should build it? It's, it's very difficult to push a new things anyway, right? So yeah. what, what we did was, hey, you know, we have this... Uh, uh, fancy new technology and it has this potential of uh, doing things faster, better and cheaper for you as well, right? And it's okay, show it to us. So we go around and we started uh, uh, doing POCs, you know, uh, proving them how it works and uh, even one of the earlier ones, we were able to save uh, a client millions of ringgit, millions of, uh, from, from uh, their traditional method because they were able to make the right decision uh, very, very quickly. And uh, when it comes to the power line, when we started, uh, we were able to do uh, the solutions for them 400% faster and then saving them 30% wow. at the same time. And, and the rest is history. That, that's how we started. Basically. But, but having said that, I mean, uh, to change people's mindset is not easy. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, different uh, one industry to the next industry to be able to convince them that this mm-hmm. is the way of the, uh, the, way of the future mm-hmm. and all that. Uh, I remember like uh, the first few projects just like, POCs, POCs, you know, yes. free of charge. Yes. You know, just just uh, let us uh, give the opportunity. Well, well, I, I, actually, yeah. the guys that we were, we were working with, they all love the tech. Their challenge was getting the buy-in, the buy-in from, from, the from the clients, right? Mm. So, one, one thing that helped us as well at that time was uh, PwC came up with clarity uh, from above. They came up with a white paper that talks about growth technology. So it was very, very timely. 
and uh, they were talking how about 127 billion of industries uh, will be disrupted by drone technologies. Okay. So we go around uh, talking about this paper as well, and that helps us quite a bit. Mm -hmm. so, then, then the, the buy-in starts to come in. Uh, once we uh, were successful to do to deliver one solution, then the word starts to spread. And for the next two years, we were like growing our business in Malaysia, starting with the three of us. And by the end of the third year, we were already about 100, 100 people. 100 wow. Wow. So, so let's talk a little bit about team here. You know, since you mentioned it started with three of you. Kamaro, I know you have mentioned in the past that you had a different co-founder, but then now, of yes. course, you're working with your wife, uh, the boss at home and the boss at one time. So how, talk Absolutely. to us a little bit. <laughs> talk, talk to us a little bit about yeah, I, I want, this. Uh, yeah, I, I want to hear from him first. <laughs> and finding the the right uh, co-founder is, is uh, the most fundamental thing, the most important thing uh, when you run a startup. You, you, you need someone who understand the same vision, uh, willing to work as hard as you as well. Because here, here we are, we, we, are put, we are putting in everything that we have into this, right? I mean, because we see something big uh, that we wanted to achieve in the future. And in order to do that, uh, it's actually a very difficult journey. If anybody tells us that it's easy, you know, I, I wouldn't believe that person. You know, It's, it's a very, very tough journey. So uh, I started with another co-founder and uh, immediately we understood that oh, he's not the right person. Uh, he, he can't put in the number of the hours that we do in terms of commitment also. Uh, uh, mm. It's not there. So immediately say, hey, Azita, she was an, uh, a project director, a big, doing a big project at that time. I was telling her, hey, I need somebody. We are on to something now. I mean, things are growing very, very fast. So fortunately, um, two <laughs> months later, she tended her resignation at the other side and wow. uh, came in and, and joined me, basically. Yeah, I think uh, to, to coming back to that, uh, the way I look at it, for partnership to work, you have to believe mm -hmm. in 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 the vision. Both of you, like, if you start believing in something, of course, it started with just the two of us believe in something, and then we start spreading the news. Okay, everybody's a small group believe uh, believe us, and then it starts to grow. Then you have a bigger team. Then it make it uh, smoother and easier for us to, you know, uh, execute the, the, the work, basically. Mm -hmm. So, but I want to dive... Now hold that thought. Finding a service solution that helps you keep customers happy can feel impossible. Like trying to remember the name of that guy you literally just met at a networking event. HubSpot's all-new service hub can help with their service solution part at least. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform with an AI-powered help desk and chatbot to help you handle your frontline tickets so you can scale support and drive retention and revenue. We love the sound of those things. Visit hubspot.com service to learn more a little bit deeper if I may here I mean you know part of the partnership story that I've seen with uh, you know husband and wife teams is one usually takes the stable quote-unquote stable job right which is the corporate right. job and then one is the entrepreneur that takes the risk which right. has the potential for that big exit right but that is sort of a one in a I don't know a thousand or, or a hundred right. so how oh, did you both yeah. what was that point uh, that you know right. Azita you felt that okay 
I think my husband's not crazy. I believe in this vision. We have enough runway as a family here for, for the children as well to, to live a life that you can continue on for the next couple of years. Well, actually, before she answers that, she still thinks that I'm crazy today. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, you know what they say. There's a fine line between brilliance and insanity. So, yeah. you do that. Uh, again, we share, we share, same dream. A lot of things and a lot of discussions that we have together is sort of, uh, you know, uh, converge into the the same thing that we want. So, uh, I find that quite, uh, you know, um, enlightening. For me to 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 pursue together and and try to make something because two makes it stronger than when you you only want to do it uh, and and of course at that time considering my my other uh, you know uh, my background which is uh, architecture so that in Malaysia I wouldn't say I would say not that challenging the in terms of design because. Uh, Basically, the developer they they actually uh, impose on the design. It's not the architect that uh, you know uh, come up with the big ideas and all that. So you were a bit frustrated. Uh, I, I was a bit frustrated with a few projects. You know, you come up with nice ideas, nice design. At the end of the day, it's all about okay, cut this, cut that. You know, I only have this much budget. So you know, it always come to that. Uh, and I realized that it's not satisfying for me. And yeah. and this is also a good for me to you know have a more flexibility in time management as well so then both of you decide uh, to work together what then was the the strategy for the division of roles I mean of course both invested and this is special with the husband and wife team but then how how now I mean you're what you're hitting 600 people I believe right is, is that right yes, Kamara? 500, 500, correct 500, 500, 500. Yeah. actually it's simple even from this, uh, day one that was our strategy she's the people person I'm the technology guy I create the technology, she creates the team. She put in the culture and all that. That was the strategy from day one. I, I, I'm not good with people. She's good with people. Uh, she's not really a techie. I'm the techie. So it's just a good, uh, you know, a good fit between the two of us. So we, we, com- we, we, we complete better, each other. We, we have better EQ. Women have better EQ, right? <laughs> most women. So, most women. <laughs> so, so in a way, I always check, uh, give uh, check and balance, especially in, in uh, finding new partners. You know, mm-hmm. and finding the people who can uh, work with us. Yeah, she's better at reading uh, people. So, in a way, yeah. you know, I, I, I can read people in that way and who's com- we are comfortable with. And that sort of, uh, you know, helps in building the, the team together. Mm-hmm. And and I create more value when I'm alone uh, coming up with the solutions, uh, coming up with the strategies. So, so we really mm-hmm. do need each other. <laughs> Love it. I've heard you both say that the early days in Malaysia was actually rough. Uh, and that you almost had to go outside and then come back again. Talk to us yeah. a little bit about that. We were growing very nicely year in, year out. Uh, it was just not fast enough as we uh, planned for it to be, right? So that was, that's why it was in 2017, right? 2017, we uh, our first uh, uh, foray outside of Malaysia was we went to Australia, uh, mm. really to see uh, how we would fare over there. And much to our surprise is that there was no players over there that were doing what we were doing. A lot of them out there was really mom and pop kind of outfit when it comes to drones, but yet we were doing enterprise level solution. So when you do, uh, this is different because this is, we, are, we are working with the, like the Fortune 500 kind of organization. Uh, we are doing digital transformation for them. We are delivering, we are able to help them uh, run their businesses 
faster, better, and and cheaper. You know, and and they love it because they they have not seen anything like that. So when we went there, we were already doing more than hundred thousand assets. We already inspected. It, it was almost mind blowing for them. They say, "Oh, we have never seen this." And and very quickly, uh, you know, we were growing very very fast in Australia within three months of us. Uh, uh, entering Australia, we were doing uh, you know multi-million dollar kind of uh, operations already uh, over there. So that was uh, very encouraging for us. So uh, from that success, then we start to to look uh, beyond uh, beyond Malaysia. And uh, uh, from that story of us doing pretty decent in Australia, then the Malaysians started to uh, to use us as well in Malaysia. Uh, MDEC and all that start calling us and collaborate together and yeah. see how we can they can help us uh, for more recognition. So basically, branding and visibility, especially for uh, uh, companies from Malaysia, because Malaysia not really right. known as a tech uh, producing mm-hmm. uh, country. We do face that issues as well, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's the product that speaks for itself. You know, uh, right. clients do get uh, actual value from uh, working with us, so that actually help our, our growth uh, as well. So we validate our solutions outside of the country. We come back and we actually accelerate the growth even further as well. Love it. Well, yeah. now that we're talking about um, the business itself already, uh, let's not forget to, of course, explain this vision that you have and, you know, sort of the models is advanced into DT3, uh, which I want you to expand more about. Talk to us a little bit about the evolution of the business here. I mean, I know uh, for both of you, the vision wasn't, crystal clear from day one as it's not for most entrepreneurs. Sure. How did you develop sure. and evolve that vision? As Azita mentioned earlier, we, we started with uh, visual, right? Uh, it was from the agency that, that we had, right? And, and when we uh, uh, set up Aerodyne, the vision already at that time was how can we use drone as a data to disrupt industries, to allow them to do their, to run their businesses better. So we started with that. Uh, in the beginning, we talked about drone data, you know, how we can provide a data platform for them. And it was already groundbreaking because at that time, people were just using uh, drones for visual. So we do that for, for a year. Then uh, clients get the idea about how uh, beneficial this uh, technology is. And they start to think, hey, why, why do you provide us the advisory, the the, uh, the analytics on the data rather than just giving us the data? And we started to go into that as well. So we developed our uh, tech platform uh, and we provide the analytics and we started to do the AI then we went to the next level again so today it's not just about providing you with the uh, data and analytics but provide you with the whole integration uh, the whole advisory system as well so that again our mantra is faster better cheaper and safer usually you choose three out of the four or two out of the four so our mantra or rather our philosophy is that we need to provide all four or we walk away, which means that the technology is not ready. Rita, you're going to add? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I, I want to add to that. I mean, uh, that is also, we pride ourselves in understanding uh, the client's requirement. I think that is very valuable if you're in, in business, you know, uh, when you, you produce something that is actually meant for, for customers. You know, uh, this engagement that we have with client is very valuable because along the way, they also... Uh, uh, give inputs that evolve uh, our solution evolve throughout the, the time. Uh, in our case, it's always very much uh, on point to what the client good wants. Fit. So good, good fit, fit to what they yeah. want. So I think that is also another edge that we provide to our clients. Mm, I love that. So it's customization, and you know, this is um, I guess in in many ways you are a classic uh, business case in that you wanna 
really find out what your customer wants, right? And not assume that you know everything. Yeah. We are solutions provider. Yeah. Uh, in fact, that's actually one of our uh, core values. You know? the, the number three is actually we are solutions provider. I mean, we are here because our clients out there have, have problems and it's our job to solve them. But what what is now the landscape? I mean, the competition seems to be there's every other company is doing uh, AI these days, right? Drone in, in many ways is is a means to an end. Uh, how are you thinking about your business and making sure that you stay, uh, well, you're number two now, so hopefully you'll be number one, one very soon. How, how do you stay ahead of the curve when technology is evolving so rapidly? Right. Well, we, we focus on things that uh, we are doing well. I mean, this, this is the thing that uh, we have been focusing from day one, which is people and technology. People drive the technology, people develop the technology, and that, that's Azista's side to actually build the right uh, uh, team. And we are now hiring not just in Malaysia, we are hiring globally, you know, as well. Uh, we are close to 500. We are going to be 3,000 uh, in, in two years. <laughs> and make, making sure that our technology is far ahead than, uh, than competition. I mean, now we are neck to neck. At one time, we were ahead of everyone. Now it's about neck to neck, uh, primarily uh, because uh, increasing competition from the data space, not so much from the drone side. A lot of data company out there that starts to uh, provide uh, drone data solutions to drone company that they can tap into, right? Mm. So whereas we are a one-stop solution. So our age is really that uh, we have proven solutions with some of the largest Fortune 500 companies around the world. There's not many companies uh, around the world that can say that they have presence in 35 countries. We are probably the only drone company today that can say that with conviction. You know, and we have offices in, in 12 countries around the world. And we have, uh, um, you know, uh, representative in all of those countries. Uh, in, even, even, even in D.C., our number two guy, our group uh, CEO is based in the States. So we, uh, we can reach any customers uh, very, very quickly. When they come to us, oh yeah, we can we can provide services to you in Russia. Uh, you have uh, you have a subsidiary in in, in uh, Australia. They they come to us because it's, you want to be working with one guy that can that have a proven solution to you as well, right? So that that's our age, and and of course um, uh, the the key focus for us is really about uh, improving the technology. Uh, if in the past uh, what we've been doing in the past was really about um, our m and Today, we have done seven, eight, and we have another five m and coming in. In the mm. past, our m and was about giving us the market access, opening right. those countries for us. Now, the next round is about technology acquisition. For us right now, uh, to, to make sure that we stay ahead, it's actually about acquiring all of this top, top technology as well, or potential top technology. And, and we are hiring uh, like crazy. Even today, we just hired two CTOs. Not one CTOs, we have two CTOs yeah. in, in the companies as well. So, so that's yeah. what we do. Yeah. It's, it's very competitive, uh, very competitive environment, especially in tech industry, as you know it. So mm -hmm. we always, uh, you know, are on the verge of uh, the new, the new tech that's coming up, and then we have to adapt very fast, and always have to think of how to be different from the rest of the. The team. So, of course, uh, naturally, software is actually one of our key factors, and right. that is something that we are focusing on. Mm -hmm. And even uh, you know the, the the tech and deep tech people, uh, those are our our focus at the moment with the HR strategies and all that. Yeah. For for example, we just we just closed uh, the largest uh, digital twin projects in Australia again it, it, mm. just just uh, two months ago, right? So so those those are again a testimony of our technology. 
you know, we, we focus on uh, large scale operations. You know, mm. uh, we don't we don't do small. Right? So uh, for one client, we could be doing work for them in Nigeria and at the same time in Australia. So uh, all the efforts that we have done over the past three years is actually pro- providing uh, or rather setting up the infrastructure so that we can uh, provide that level of services for our customer. We can deploy our team anywhere in the world very, very quickly. Today, we are looking at around three days for us to do that, assuming uh, there's no regulatory cons- uh, constraint. But we can deploy right. our team anywhere in the world within three days. Fantastic. Lots to unpack there. So first of all, you started with a market share play, right? I mean, this game, it sounds like um, because you were targeting multinationals, you were targeting people with operations around the world, you needed to be in those places uh, and therefore, you know, partnered up with many different companies. And and I've heard your strategy of recent also, it's a lot of it is controlling stake, right? In terms of uh, the acquisitions that, that you're looking at. Uh, how did you think about partnerships here in terms of which was the right country uh, to expand into the right resources? And, and also, you know, Azita's sweet spot here, which is who are the right people that you want to be spending your time with as partners in sure. this vision that you have? Easily identify the key markets, America, India, China, Indonesia. These, these are future big markets and, and Europe as well. So that's why we have been focusing in those countries. What I do is actually evaluate this from... Uh, technical point of view, uh, from financial point of view, and Azita analyze the people side. <laughs> if she say yes, then we do it. If she said no, I don't feel comfortable. Most of most of the time, she's right, <laughs> right. So it's actually uh, that's the tech thing that we do over here. Um, the partners that actually can fit with uh, the the techni- technology that we are developing together. Uh, for example, uh, the biggest drone company in Middle East. So, of course, they have uh, the network and the strength uh, market access uh, in that country. So, okay, so that sounds like something that we want to work with. I mean, uh, the, the criteria or the profile that we want to work with. So, what's next? So, of course, we did the uh, duty, the evaluation in terms of their financial and all that. Next uh, is basically to know who they are, you know, and then getting to know them better. So, this is more like, uh, you know, it's, it's really... Uh, a friendship uh, kind of evaluation. We meet, uh, normally we yeah, meet, yeah, yeah. we have to meet them and over dinner and then we spend a few days in their country. Yeah, after all, we're going to be spending a lot of time exactly. with them. So we so, must feel comfortable yeah, with one another. And, and they do come over, I mean like the Japanese for example, yeah, it's very hard to penetrate into their trust. So mm. we spend quite a bit of, you know, going back and forth Japan, they come, they came to Malaysia and then a few rounds of, you know, getting to know each other. Then we feel the comfort. So it's trust. It's all oh, about yeah, trust, yeah. right? It's, it's then, about building trust and this is someone that we can build that relationship. So, so that, that, that's, that's her part. She, she, but, can, but, yeah, she can see that, that better. <laughs> yeah, and Azita, you know, this uh, gut feeling that women have, uh, you know, yes. I think this is a special thing that we all have. What I want to ask you is when you look at the partnerships that you've broken <laughs> over the years, what is it about them that made you comfortable in saying, yeah, this is the right one? What if, if someone was thinking, you know, because we have a lot of founders that are at the growth stages, right? So they're at the inflection point where partnerships can make or break the business because it's your brand, it's everything that you've built over the years. So this is very scary, actually. How do you think about, you know, what are the top three qualities that you look for in a partner as you're thinking about integration? I think, first of all, is the technical. I think that that is something Kamaru look at. Uh, the mm-hmm. technical ability of growing together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think for me, I'm looking at uh, uh, the culture fit. 
you know, uh, because we are Asian, we are Malaysian, you know, so I know how my team back home going to interact with all these guys as well, you know, mm. uh, and I have to take care of some of the man- senior management that, uh, that are already good and we already groom over time. So these are the people that we want to, you know, they have to engage and they have to like each other. You know, it's not about me and uh, whether I, I like that person or not. Uh, mm. Of course, at my level, I would see someone I trust because that involves the monetary, financial transactions, stuff like that as well. But most important is for my team to, to be able to work with them. So I understand quite well how my team works here. I can share what you yeah. do. She always asks to meet the other side, the other house. She go and have dinner yeah. uh, with them, with their family, with their yes, kids. I yes, mean, that, yes. that counts us a lot yes. as well. Yes, within business, you know, uh, I mean, we are Asian. I'm sure you can relate very much to it. We are very <laughs> close bonding, you know. We want to work in a very com- harmony uh, environment that, that thrives uh, all these uh, challenges outside. And so we like the partner also share the same values. So when we meet them, we know that uh, they, they value the same thing and, and that triggers us, uh, you know, okay, this, this sounds good, you know, uh, this can work with my team. You know, there are those that we did not... Very intuitive. Let me, maybe you want to share, but there are those that did not happen because we, we don't feel uh, it's right. For example, uh, I mean, we, we both work very hard, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, we did all the things to make things happen. We put our hearts out, you know, <laughs> if necessary, if you need to prepare a tender, you don't sleep a few days, we did it, okay? Yeah. So, okay, so who would be doing the same thing like us? I mean, it's very, not everybody wants to work like us. And so we, we sort of looking at the right uh, age group as well because some people, when they reach like uh, to, uh, 50 plus, they are more comfortable, they're already comfortable, they don't want to run again, you know. <laughs> you know, you already uh, have your own luxury life. Those guys, you cannot change already because they are already at their 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 leisure mode. They don't want to go back and run just like this. So that is a no-no already. So we, we met a few people that very good technically, but mm-hmm. we know that this guy are not willing to, you know, put up the sleeves and, and, and help with the, the, the building teams. You know, because we are startup, so we have yeah. to spend a, a lot of time hand holding, uh, and this is also a new industry. It's very tricky. You know, uh, you don't get ready uh, talent in uh, in the market, so we need yeah. to coach them, uh, patience, and all that. So the, mm. the character is actually so, uh, is very important. Basically, we need a grit and determination from everyone. Yeah. 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 Sure, and, and Azita, I must say though, I think uh, we, we need to be conscious of ageism as well. Uh, the last guest I had on Rosalind Koo uh, tells me she will be a unicorn by the age of sixty. She's now fifty-one. Oh, so <laughs> and of course, you know, my co-founder oh. is a different generation and is fantastic. Yeah. So I think it's a yeah, mindset yeah. for sure. It's a mindset, yeah. and, and yes, both of you as well, right? <laughs> Yeah, that, that, that's the kind of people that we want to work with. I'm sure I would yeah. love to meet her. I want to meet her, you know. Uh, Sarah, I, I wake up uh, daily at 3 a.m., 3 or 4 a.m. every day. You know? Wow. Really? <laughs> because there's just too many what things to do. do right? sleep? What time do you sleep? Uh, 9, 10, a bit, a bit early, but, but sleep, okay. you know, uh, 10 o'clock, oh, wow. 6 hours. Yeah, 6 hours of sleep. 
Wow. So yeah. this is already past my bedtime usually. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for that. Thank you. <laughs> so Kamaro, now I want to turn to you because we didn't speak too much about it, a little bit about the technology here. You know, I mean, as you're integrating with partners and it sounds like a, a full service SaaS solution, you know, it's, it's all about the data, the insights, you're very much becoming an intelligence company where drones is very much a, a means to an end, as I said before. How has have you seen the technology involved? Expectations are becoming more and more sophisticated. If you look at the past, drones are really damn flying machine. You make it smart by putting sensors on it, right? And mm-hmm. it gets smarter and smarter. Then you use, uh, uh, you do uh, deep analytics uh, to AI and all that. But actually, it doesn't end there. It's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. So right now, where the industry is moving, it's actually the future of drones. It's actually aerial robotics. You know, really, really smart drones where it's actually no longer piloted. Efficiency uh, of this kind of uh, robotics future, robotics uh, future drones would be uh, increasing by multifold compared to the effectiveness of what we can deliver today. Mm. We are already working on intelligent nested drones where we can be looking at, for example, having uh, hundreds or you know even thousands of drones on location. Uh, you know, we, we, we put in the... Uh, uh, mission objectives for it. Uh, it will actually optimize as it start to learn as well. I mean, that that's almost sounds like Star Wars science fiction, but that is only a couple of years away. Yeah. And, and what what is the biggest challenge you think in the drone industry right now? Mm-hmm. Uh, the challenge is regulation. That's as well. It, it's slower than than what the market projected, uh, but it's growing. It's actually made better as well by, uh, out of the pandemic. Because now it's all about uh, automation. Now people do not want to get together anymore. Right? It's all about separation. So it's getting, on one hand, there was already a problem because of uh, travel restrictions and all that. But the industry now begin to realize that, hey, you know, uh, drones, uh, this flying machine is the way to go because it's not only fast, but it's also allow, uh, you know, work to be, to continue. Uh, uh, otherwise, currently, you can't, you can't travel there as well. Take, take something that is close to us in Malaysia. In the uh, agriculture industry, Malaysia lost 10 billion last year because wow. of the pandemic, right? Because there's no foreign labor and all that. Now we are building a huge team, huge uh, agricultural team using our road. We are already uh, in operations with more than a couple of hundred thousand of hectares. We just ordered uh, 100, uh, another hundred roads to come in. Uh, and this is why, why we mentioned earlier that uh, by the end of uh, uh, 18 months, we are adding another 3,000 people within every time to deliver this kind of solutions. Large-scale drone operations for agriculture, for security, for asset management and all that. How do you think about privacy here and that balance of doing what's right for your company, but also mm-hmm. maintaining that level of um, respect for privacy and maintaining that, that tight balance that, of course, um, the sure. definition of what privacy means is very different in, in the US, in China, in Malaysia. How do you think about that? Privacy concern uh, when it comes to drone industry is not a new thing. And, and the regulations that's, uh, that's uh, available today are already taking care of that. You know, for example, today there are areas that you can fly, you can even come close to any buildings. So it's already taking care of the, of the privacy concerns. I mean, there's a lot of debate on this, but I do feel that uh, is, is more or less uh, already addressed. The other thing that um, I, I was talking about, how regulatory is, uh, in a way, a minor roadblock at this current time, is that at the moment, any autonomous flight uh, is not something that look, is being looked at by the regulators very favorably as well. But again, I come from the stand that 
people are always afraid of what they don't understand. It is now mm. our role to go in and educate the market. There's a lot of safety measures that is already being put into here as well. And it's all about the benefit of mankind. All of these things that we talk about is actually about providing equality. Think of it this way, right? All of these dangerous jobs, all of these uh, uh, unfulfilling work and low-paying work that being done by the laborers can be replaced by machine, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, people, if they have the options, they don't want to be working in the plantation. They don't want to be toiling under the hot sun, uh, uh, you know, walking along the uh, power lines or even doing all of this inspection. It's, it's unfulfilling, right? So what we are yeah. doing is actually providing that equality so that providing through technology so that everybody can be involved in this. We can train all of these people. Our approach has always been about uh, creating a, a good employment for everyone by using technology. And at the same time, areas where we actually disrupt the operations, where we no longer need to labor, we actually onboard them to be part of paradigm. We train them using drones. We train them about doing the analytics as well. It's about actually changing uh, the society. So, for example, uh, we are already doing the uberization of agriculture, right? Uh, you know, in Malaysia have a very big uh, land. And we are starting in Malaysia. We are validating our solutions just in year one in Malaysia. And we are going out of Malaysia. We already have plans for India, Indonesia, uh, Thailand and Middle East, that, that, that's our plan, right? But this is like gig, gig economy, gig beat players, right? So if you talk about Uber, for example, people have cars, mm. but drones, I mean, not everybody have drones, and especially these industrial drones that may cost them in dollars, maybe $20,000, so not everybody have this. So we, we change the business model to it. You can lease those drone from us, and you can operate them where you feel comfortable. You can work from mm. uh, your hometown or the city that you live in, uh, you know, uh, and, and that, that's the, the slight tweak to the Uberization uh, strategy. Like and you already have a huge uh, uptake here. So it's about creating employment. It's about, yeah. um, uh, you know, uh, giving them hope, really. You know, uh, uh, in Malaysia, uh, a lot of unemployment. Now they can yeah. actually uh, sign in to be part of Agribor. They can lease our drones and earn a good living. You know? Love so it. That, and talking about Malaysia, Azita, I know you mentioned uh, during COVID as well, uh, you all worked with the police uh, and built yes. that opportunity. Can you share with us a little bit about that, Azita? I mean, I, I just love right. how you saw that opportunity in a time of a crisis mm. there. Because when we were hit by MCO, mm-hmm. it's just right. like lockdown. Uh, the lockdown, like everybody was, oh, what do we do now, you know? And then suddenly on my, you know, on my responsibility, I have this uh, 100 staff what do, do you give them to engage with the police? Because at that time, they were also looking for the hotspots where they want to disperse the crowd. So we engage with them and then we say, oh, okay, why not we actually we can uh, pass some of these boys to be helping the police. It's quite effective, you know, and yeah. the police loves it. And then they keep calling, do you have more teams? You know, I'm having all these crises in this state. This state, you know, and then it just, uh, you know, developed from there. And for us, yeah. there is also an opportunity to even uh, start a new solution. And then we start thinking, hey, this can be our new, you know, vertical uh, as, well. as well. You know, where we and, and that was up. purely CSR. I mean, we, yeah. we didn't yeah. charge. We were, we were, we were on the field for four months. I mean, mm. yeah. And uh, one interesting fact was the team flew twice around the world collectively. In total. In total. Wow. Can you imagine that? Yes. Yes. So, so it's a long flight. We, yeah. we, we yeah. Uh, provided the services of uh, 20, 30 teams, 30 yeah, teams, 30 teams, 30 teams uh, pro bono uh, CSR to the Malaysian government, to the Malaysian police. 
because we, mm. all of these are, are recorded and even through our uh, analytics platform allowing them to predict where it's coming and where all these uh, non-compliance are happening and from the record one fine day we were just looking at the record it was a fine day the, the guys have traveled close to 70,000 kilometers because all the flights are locked and that's like twice around the world. I really love that. I mean, you know, sometimes uh, through entrepreneurship, right, you're so focused on driving uh, revenues and it's nickel and diamond, yeah. but situations like this exactly show how, you know, have an abundance mentality, right? Yes, Even when you yes. started Camaro, your proof of con concepts, you were saying you were doing it for free. Because you yes. wanted to get in there and, and yes. it all comes back. So I love that. Well, what a great way to segue now into billion dollar questions. So quick questions for both of you. Hey, are we ready? Okay. <laughs> Fire away. Let's start with Azita. What is your highest high and your lowest low? I'm very proud when actually investors uh, came and for the fund funding for our oh, series. Okay. Uh, they believe in us. Very serious. Uh, so, in a way, wow, these people believe in us. Not just us, you know. Uh, and then when uh, investors come in, that is for me, it's really a big pride and big achievement. And your oh, my low. Okay, <laughs> my lowest point. Of course, when we grow too fast, you know, and suddenly you realize, like, oh, my babies are not ready to. ดูเด้อเด้อเด้อเด้อเด้อเด้อเด้อเด้อเด้อเด้อเด้อเด้อเด้อเด้อเด้อเด้อเด้อเด้อเด้อเด้อเด้อเด้อเด้อเด้อเ
Now, an episode I loved recently was the one with guest Joe LeMay, jiu-jitsu-loving entrepreneur and co-founder of Rocketbook. He talks about how an airplane epiphany took him on a wild ride that started with a Shark Tank flop, but ended with a $50 million exit. You know that's our jam. Listen to it, Talking Too Loud, wherever you get your podcasts. Tamaro, when you think of the word successful, who do you think of and why? I'm, I'm a, a big fan of the late uh, Steve Jobs. You know, he, he went through uh, huge trouble. He was booted out of his own company and he's uh, very driven and he has uh, uh, crazy attention to detail. Uh, that sounds like me. I mean, uh, the, the, everyone is complaining, you know. In fact, my, my uh, mantra to everyone, you know, remember what Jojo jo- jo Amani says, to do anything exceptional at all, your mind has to be, you know, constantly focus on the smallest details. And, and I'm very difficult boss to please because I... I, I <laughs> The the devil is in the details. Azita, what's the worst advice you've heard being given or that you've been given? Worst advice? Hmm. Don't do it. You know, this is not something that can happen. Uh, You know, it's like too much, too much trouble that you have to to put in so much money and you're still not sure what's coming up. So those are the kind of how do you turn that around? I mean, uh, when you've been told such negative things. Okay. Actually, it's not about trying to change their mindset. It's mm. just doing what you believe in. So because of uh, we have a strong belief in it, you just mm. do it. You know? Yeah. Well, entrepreneurs have to be stubborn for a certain reason, right? To succeed. Kamaro, <laughs> yeah, what is a common misconception about you? Mm. Everyone thinks that I, I uh, love the limelight because I, I do talks every week, everywhere, you know. I'm, but actually, I'm not. I'm, I'm a very uh, quiet person. I, I enjoy my, my, my own self. I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not uh, an extrovert. I'm uh, very much an introvert. I, I do things because this is what I have to do to build my, my company, to build the company. Hardest lesson that you've had to learn as a leader, um, let's start with Azita, but this is one I want to uh, point to both of you. Okay, um, I think being firm and sometimes uh, stern and unforgiving, maybe. Mm. <laughs> you know, because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm the type of person who is always accommodating, you know, that's why I'm uncomfortable with people and try to develop them. But mm. soon I realised that I can't be continuing doing that if, if for the sake of the company, I have to be very selective and be firm who I want to work with and who they are, they are not able to, to work with us. So that's uh, something I have to learn. Got it. <laughs> and Kamarol, how about you? I, I think the hardest lesson is just not to take things personally because people okay. are just different. We just let people do their stuff. You know, uh, people may hurt you uh, by doing or not doing what you want to do them, uh, what we want them to do. But at the end of the day, to just not take things personally. So. Uh, Azita, what's your productivity hack? Quiet time before I start something. Mm. So the first thing uh, I would I would de- declutter, you know, my workspace, uh, and then uh, you know, um, to do list is is. Uh, traditional way, I still do it, you know, yeah. come up with a to-do list. And of course, uh, quiet and coffee. So mm-hmm. I love that. If I'm at home, 
I would prefer to have a shower first. Mm, <laughs> and freshen up. And, yep. Okay. That's about it. Also, Malaysia is very hot, so people should understand yeah. that. So, I, you know, when I'm nodding my head, I get you. You know, panas. <laughs> so, you better have a cold shower yeah. and fresh. Yeah. <laughs> sure, sure. Okay, Kamaro, guilty pleasure. Uh, a guilty pleasure. pleasure. So, could it, mm. it could be a habit. It could mm. be, you know, something mm. that you, you do uh, that gives mm. you incremental, sure. makes your life incrementally better. Despite my uh, uh, crazy schedule, I do please still play games. Mm. I, I I play games on my mobile device. Why? I mean, it, it, it keeps me alert. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I still play games despite my busy schedule. And finally, for both of you, what is the vision for the power couple, Kamarul and Azita, uh, in the next five years? Let's start with Azita. Well, I want to see Aerodyne as a global uh, empire, you know, I mean, in drone uh, space. Mm-hmm. I love to see that. I mean, it's a very uh, tall order, big dreams. But that's how, you know, I, I, I don't know how, how we're going to get there. But we we definitely, I look forward to that. And of course, uh, looking forward to all these things, the success uh, that come with it. I would also giving back, you know, that is something I find peace. And I always, uh, I'm thinking uh, of affordable hospital, maybe, mm. you know, uh, you know, that is something, invest, in, invest in, in, in that and maybe, you know, start doing some CSR and, and giving back to the society. Love it. And Kamaro, anything to add? Well, uh, our vision together is to be the de facto global number one solutions provider, drone-based uh, company. Yeah. And finally, uh, from both of you, what is your number one advice for founders and funders uh, that are tuning in right now that are working through the hard things? Okay. I think believe in yourself. Believe Mm -hmm. in what you're going to do. But of course, most importantly, always a solution that works for your client. I think uh, that's how you sustain your business. Uh, You know, uh, you have to have a market a target market that you want to go in and you have to go deep deep and understand the problems and you you try to solve that genuinely not for profit but the money will come later mm. if you do a good, uh, if you do a good job that's how I, I see Fantastic. it for me it's about having that clarity of vision you know you know where you're going and you know that the road ahead is going to be very very tough remember your vision all the time when the times are hard just keep going you know you want to change the future. You don't want the future to define you, right? So, so just keep going. You know, be relentless. Have that grit and determination. The times will get hard, but remember why, why you are doing this in the first place. And the only way to go there is to, to just keep solving this problem one after another. Well, that is a perfect way to end, Kamaro and Azita, in being relentless in building your global empire. And I am so. Uh, thrilled that you've spent the last power hour with us, you know, really going deep and being really frank about some of the hard stuff. So excited for you all and, yeah, you know, you. Uh, what's next for you. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thanks so much for tuning in this week. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and follow our socials at Sarah Chen Global to get the latest news on the show. I'm Sarah Chen and you've been listening to Billion Dollar Moves. <laughs>